Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome in Reno. It's a company day. Cofield is off. Antonio Los Vatos are here. Adam Hill and Damon Cotton alongside. We're trying to find out. Do we find out why Josh Jacobs and uh, now Derek Carr are trending on Z? Can't really find the uh, Derek Carr one. It looks like Josh Jacobs is. There was a fan uh, as Dave Ziegler was signing autographs yesterday uh, before the game uh, down in the corner of the end zone where I actually was. Uh, a fan was yelling for him to sign Josh Jacobs and actually detailing his belief of what the contract should be. And Dave Ziegler said, I've got no problem with that. And he said, just get it done. Give him some incentives. Get him there. Get the contract done. And Ziegler said, we'll make that happen. So I think people are taking it as a report that there's a deal close. I don't know if we can fully read that, that much into it or if he was just having a conversation with a fan, but uh, interesting. I'm sorry. I'm caught up on one thing. Uh, what's that? Ziggler's doing what? Signing autographs. People want the autograph of the GM? Yeah. Anybody. Red Nation, baby. I guess. Okay. I've never I guess I've never reached Maybe. that level of fandom that I've wanted well, the, to like I mean like the people that are on screen hyping the crowd before, during the game sign autographs before the game. Okay, that's a good I've never understood that. I've either. signed Raider memorabilia. You're a liar. No, no you, you haven't. haven't. Yes, I have. What? what? No, you have not. Yes, I have. Okay, here's the okay. People okay, fine, 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 fine. I was gonna say, here's the thing. Here's the question. Okay. Did be did somebody go? You're Demont Cotton. Can you sign this for me? Or was it one of those like that dude's got Raiders memorabilia on, and I'm at a Raiders event. He's got to be important. A, Can you sign this for me? There's a black guy with a Raiders shirt. Who no, are you? They sign knew this. I was Demont Cotton. <laughs> And asked for me to sign something. But, yes, at an after party one time, I did get mistaken for Josh Jacobs. <laughs> wow. That's why. That's, wow. We just got to be better as a society, man. And somebody said, hey, Josh. No, it's like, oh, so you know it's one of those, I thought you were him, but you're, you're, you're shorter. And it's like, yeah, thank you. You should have, you didn't play it up? You're like, yeah, totally. Was it that's a girl? <laughs> no. That's the, that's the key right there. Yeah. No, yeah, no it was not. I'm him. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four Number Four Alright, we like to have fun here We're razzing Demond a little bit But, just like any good system Alright You break them down to build them back up So this is that moment We're just going to toss the ball in the low post And we're going to let Demond go to work Because we do have more we have a big story. Why is he posting up? I don't know. It's just, it's just what you do. Let him go to work. He can be at the top of the key, whatever he wants. He has a guard that averaged half a point yeah. for Pahrump Valley in his junior varsity, or his varsity year, allegedly, according to Max Preps. So Michael Orr's story is a lie. I, it, was, it was my inspiration to get into sports. Turns out it's all fraudulent. Sandra Bullock. Fraud. You've got to do some re- reflection here. Turns out, is it the Tuies? Yeah, mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock is who I want to hear from. Dumb last name, by the way. The she, this is this is on Sandra Bullock. It's very, it's very much. Next thing we're gonna know, there wasn't a bomb that was gonna blow up if that bus slowed down. That's a good point. Like, who knows? <laughs> wow. Who even knows what's true? Anymore? Wow. Did you really? Kn- was there really not somebody who pretended to be in a? Was it a Miss America a pageant? pageant? Yeah, a beauty pageant. Was it an undercover it was an cop? Undercover FBI. Ah, man, everything's crumbling around me. So the Mike Bullock's entire life is a lie. That's a very good point. Uh, was there really not any monsters that would come get you if you looked at them? 
What is, that was Bird Box, right? Where <laughs> <laughs> you had to keep your eyes closed yeah. the entire time. <laughs> Threw me for a loop on that one, too. So the Tui's are liars, it turns out. And Sandra Bullock. That, that's very true. Let's yes. make sure that we're clear. They, uh, the story is up there on ESPN. Michael Orr has been telling us this for a while, but it turns out we're getting some more details on this. Nobody wanted to listen to him. Tui's, because, yes, because Sandra nobody Bullock. wanted to listen to him Sandra because Bullock. he was made out to be just an idiot. So nobody wants to listen to what he has to say. I said that this was Tamon's time to cook. Sorry. Let's oh, let, well, let, let Tamon cook. Tamon, you're upset about this. The Blind Side, the movie that came out in 2009 where um, the Tui family takes in an orphan little black kid that's 6'5", 300 pounds. Are you, are you reading this? No. That never. I'm just saying, being from the Mid-South in the area, there was talks that we're going to have Michael Orr come to the school and like speak to the school, me being from Ripley, Tennessee. Michael Orr didn't come to the school. You know why? Because he probably was like, this is some BS after he saw the yeah. movie. Where yeah. everyone knew that this was a load of crap. What are you talking about? You telling me from that- what I understand, he was an absolute idiot who was living on the streets, yeah. who had no idea what football or family was, and they had to come in and save him. Yeah, he didn't whole- even know what a bed was. Michael, <laughs> this is a bed. <laughs> Where they needed, they Michael, needed to- <laughs> this is a bed. I love the accent. That is spot on. The accent that she did in that movie. But then you're telling me that she's going into Orange Mound. She's going into the hood in Memphis, Tennessee, and it's just like I'm gonna tell these drug dealers what's what. And they need to leave. They need to leave Michael alone. You don't, you don't think that happened? No, she wasn't going into the hood in Orange Mount. I'm not even going into Orange Mount. <laughs> you mean a, you mean another classic white savior wasn't going to descend from the clouds and save a young black man? I, I thought that was true. Yeah, where it's oh man, they really helped this guy out. They send him. To, we really want you to go to Ole Miss. Where he's right, they stole all the money from him. Darren Ravel, he had the residuals where he broke it down. A film that made that much money. The residuals, you know, that you get from the percentages. He's missing out on about $4 million that everyone else in that family has gotten. So we should we should say what the actual new development in this case are. Michael Orr has filed a suit in this mm-hmm. case. He has, as you said, insinuated for a long time that there was a lot of the story that wasn't true, that he wasn't necessarily part of it, but... He has always been under the impression of, hey, I was adopted by these people. They did help me out to some degree. I'm all part, We're all part of this. Cool. It turns out he has recently learned, apparently just a couple of months ago. Back in February. That the adoption papers never actually happened. He's not actually a part of the family. They instead just signed a conservatorship, which allowed them, which allowed them basically to manage oh, the funds. By the way, kind of not Barry lead entirely, but according to Orr, he was not only that, he was tricked. Right. Apparently, according to him, they told him they adopted right. him, and instead it was the conservative. And he wasn't. So yeah. that he wasn't actually a part of the family. He just was, you know, was under their control in terms of legally and contractually, but not actually, you know, signing the papers to be a part of the actual family, which enabled them to cut him out of the profits, which is what he alleges they have done. Uh, so it's his side. It's his suit. It'll be determined in court. We can figure it out. But I think a lot of people, to me, as soon as I saw the movie, I was like, no. Of course. No. That's not. There's no way this is out. Anybody who watched that and thought it was 100% truth yeah. was, I don't even know what to tell but, you. But to, the fact that it's reached this level uh, is sad, certainly for him and for you know a lot of people that were involved in this. Um, and if it is true, gross, obviously, on the family's part. But there is more to this besides just that. Because if, if you're out there saying, look, you, you made the NFL. You got paid. Well, he says, and people around him, and I fully believe this, that after his first contract, when he was looking for places to play, and he signed on a couple of places for for low amount of money, that teams were saying, "Yeah, this kid, we saw the movie. This kid's an idiot. He's lacks leadership. He's prone to violence. Like he's not smart. We're not going to sign him." Possible. Okay, I will say, if that's true, 
there's no way those people have those people have jobs in the NFL anymore, right? If you're basing player evaluation off of a movie with Sandra Bullock, <laughs> maybe. I've heard worse. You know what's the funniest part to me in the college football realm of this? Hugh Freeze basically got put on on Ole Miss for being his high school coach. And look how that turned out for them. That's true. Not great. By the oh, I mean, look, these things do. Like it's not the same exact thing, but you you heard the Shanahan and Crosby story last week. Yeah, where basically Shanahan had to apologize to Max Crosby for their interview because it was one of their assistant coaches' first interviews that he did, and he just attacked Max Crosby, and they were like, "What are you doing? Right? What? Why are you doing this?" He's like, "Well, that's what my other team liked me to do." Like, so there is weird things that go on in the NFL that other people don't understand or know, and there's people that just don't get it. Like, it is possible that there were people... I don't think every team in the league said, hey, he's dumb, we saw the movie. But I, I, I think it poisons the well. For sure. Number three. Did you guys see the picture of Lucas Glover? Yes. For those who don't who's, know who Lucas Glover is, who, he's a golfer. Who's um, after better, Tour. Lucas Glover or Devon? Okay. I mean, Devon wins, but only by default because he's not sweating through his khakis like a slob. What was this? Are we sure it's sweats? That's what he says. Well, I mean, it looks like something else. Like, so, this apparently this is a part of a story, right? That was uh, for those who didn't see. You got to look up Lucas Glover. He just won the St. Jude Championship over the weekend, and he's holding up the trophy. His pants are soaked at the crotch because he's been sweating apparently the entire time. He wasn't like he didn't change his pants before he went out to go accept the trophy. I'm good with that. You'd think this... I don't know, man. I'd be too embarrassed. The other day, I accidentally sat on one of my kids' wet wipes. So there's a wet spot on my butt. I didn't get up for like 20 minutes. I just waited for it to dry. I was like, I can't do it. Okay. Well, I mean, first of all, was he... Did he know for sure? Like, you don't always know. A lot of times you can feel like you're sweating and then you're like, oh, I didn't know that it was sweating through my pants. That's a good point. So you might not have known how bad it looked. You're going to feel that moisture, though, don't you? Yeah, but I think you could think it's the inside of your pants. Probably leaving snail trails all over the place. So, And then the other thing is like, hey, man, you won. What do I care? It's a good point. I won the tournament. I'm going to go hold this trophy and show off my my front my sweaty crotch. My front sweat stains <laughs> that just happened to be in the same place that it would be if I had had an accident. Number two. High probability that Conor McGregor's had a sweaty crotch at one point in his life. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, yeah. I I mean, he's so. in athletics, right? I assume so. Yeah. Probably happens quite a bit every time he fights. And apparently, he's got more fights on the way. Do we believe this? Or is this a Liz Cambage Nigeria situation? Where, for those who don't remember, Liz Cambage was like, no, nah, you guys are idiots. Actually, I didn't throw slurs at the Nigerian team. They want me to play. And then the Nigerian team immediately came out and was like, nah, no, that's uh, not true. A total unrelated note. I was just Googling, does cocaine make you sweat? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you do that? Just totally unrelated to what we're talking about. Just do my own thing. According to Conor McGregor, he's got three UFC fights in the work. Okay. That's fine. In the works? In the works. So, I've been clear about this, and I don't think people have fully understood what I'm saying. I'll say it again. I do think he's going to fight. He obviously should not be allowed to fight. Sure. Like There is a rule that you have to re-enter drug testing for six months that is literally a rule on the books there's no ways around it there's no like interpretations of it he has to re-enter the drug testing program for six months before he can compete he has not done that yet he is now saying he's fighting before the end of the year that's right that is not possible under the rules 
Now, do I think the UFC will break the rules? Yes, I do. <laughs> but what are the? Should not be allowed to fight. What are the ramifications if UFC breaks the rules? It's their own rules. Okay, there we go. I think the, the ramifications will be other fighters. Will say, hey, man, that's not fair, and they'll say, "Shut up." So the real question is then, what order does he take out Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, and Nate Diaz? He says Chandler's next. I, first of all, Nate Diaz is not under contract, so they'd have to resign. Nah, yeah, that's fine. Nate Diaz. That's another hurdle potentially. And Nate Diaz, by the way, uh, who just said yesterday that he made more for his Jake Paul fight than he did his entire MMA career, which that's not good. No. Uh, so I don't know that he would come back to the UFC to fight him. Justin Gaethje is a fight I w- I'd like to see, although I think Justin Gaethje would destroy Connor. Uh, although Connor will be, I don't know. I think looks like allowed to use drugs. I'll so. ask you. What I was going to say, uh, of the three, is it a is it a fair assumption? I think two of the three, I'm pretty confident, are going to beat him. Chandler and Gaethje. I'm not sure about Diaz. Yeah, I think that's that's about right. right. But I know you know Gaethje kind of said you know look uh, I'm not fighting them. The guys on drugs. Like, but I'm sure if you put the if you put the test if you put the check in front of them, it's going to be tough to turn down. Real quick, if he does get, uh, you know, USADA, if he does test positive, it just turns to a no contest like they did with Brock. Number one. The, the, the problem is he, he would test positive before the fight. Oh. <laughs> Gotta get stuff rocking. That's, right. why they don't want him in the, that's why they don't want him in the pool. I think we're probably going to have to put number one on the back burner, right? So we'll do this. Uh, I think it's good. I've got to collect myself on this story anyway. Oh, no. Yes. I, I don't know what I'm going to do here. So. Uh, in, instead, let's talk a little slam ball when we come back. We got some breaking news in the National Football League. Two running backs signed. Everything's oh, yeah. good. Oh yeah, it's all the whole market is settling in. That's right. And Raiders fans, you get nothing. Oh, it's nothing. Not the right running back, huh? Dalvin no. Cook, one year, eight point six million. According yep. to Schefter. Yep. And uh, Rappaport and uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who Six. apparently shaved his head. So. Huh? Serious now. Yep. Well, people are saying he's 2016 Zeke now, so you look out. <laughs> Turn back the clock. Yep. He's back, baby. Is that how it works? Yep. Okay. So you just like, well, it's like the inverse of Samson, right? Samson, when you cut his hair, he got weak. But now this means you're serious. Shaving hmm. away all the bad vibes and juju, you know? <laughs> we'll see. All right. So Dalvin Cook is now a member of the New York Jets. Ezekiel Elliott is now a member of the New England Patriots. Same division. Very true. Yeah, very true. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Arms race, if you will. It is. It is. Although I think uh, I'm going to go out and say that the Jets probably got the better of the two. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's fair to say. Uh, I, I, you know, look, I'm I'm interested to see what. I mean, the biggest impact obviously would be. I, I don't I don't think it's a massive upgrade for the for the Vikings. For, excuse me for the for the Jets at running back. Um, obviously, you know, Brees Hall not fully healthy, so. Sure. That's a that's a big question mark, but I think Brees Hall to Dalvin Cook, not that much different. It certainly adds depth. A guy who's done it before, he can catch the ball to the backfield, like all those things. It's good. It's a veteran. Um, wanted to play with Aaron Rodgers, like that's good. I, I don't think it's a massive change. I think to me the biggest question, uh, maybe this is just because I look at things, you know, a lot from fantasy perspective in football. Uh, what does this do to Ramondre Stevenson, Las Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, who looked poised to? basically have the backfield to himself in a situation in New England where they really haven't they haven't liked to do that. They don't like to have a guy who has the backfield to himself look like he might this year, and now all of a sudden Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott is there. Now I believe Zeke is finished. Like, well, he's a, he, I, would I argue that he would be their goal line back? 
Would he have signed on with the knowledge that maybe he's their short short yardage guy? Maybe, but Ramondre excels there. Mm. Um, so I look. I it's it. Look, you. We know that they want to have a committee. We know they want to have multiple guys sharing the backfield. I don't know that Ezekiel Elliott takes that much away. Uh, I still think Ramondre is the guy, but at least you have to have questions of, hey, look, they met with Delvin Cook, they pursued Ezekiel Elliott. Clearly, they have questions about turning the backfield completely over to one guy. And so, you know, for a Las Vegas like Ramondre, who has excelled and kind of exceeded expectations in the NFL, I think this this poses a lot of questions uh, for where where you know where his status is this season and and you know that's certainly one to watch as we uh get closer here in the uh, in the preseason and I don't know that either of these signings necessarily have a massive impact on the Josh Jacobs situation uh with the Raiders although you know if people thought hey they're just going to not sign Jacobs and maybe withdraw the franchise tag and sign Dalvin Cook well that's out that's right. not going to happen I would argue I think first when you're talking about uh Ramondre and what this means for him Looking at their overall depth at running back, I'm not going to pretend to be able to evaluate running backs, but you would think that maybe they just want to add some more known talent, some known commodities. Behind, I mean, with Stevenson on this roster so far is Pierre Strong Jr., J.J. Taylor, uh, C.J. Um, Marable, I believe is how you pronounce it, from Coastal Carolina, Kevin Harris. There's not like a ton of proven talent there, so maybe you're just adding bodies to the roster. I mean, we played the clip – um, who do, my the mind the name escapes me. Who was the running back that the uh, Raiders just signed? Oh, they, well, they signed a couple of former uh, the former Chiefs running former back. Chiefs. Yes, Damian, Damian Williams, Williams for one. But McDaniel's, we played the clip of him, and McDaniel's essentially said, "Like, yeah, we need somebody to eat these snaps in preseason." Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, and so yeah. I, and my thought was like, well, I guess it's an opportunity, but it's terrible to hear the head coach be like, yeah. hey, "You're an innings eater, man. Like, we just need yeah. you to fill up some some stats, or excuse me, uh, to fill up some snap counts." I don't know Ezekiel Elliott's that. But at this point, when you're adding guys outside of Dalvin Cook, who's a talented running back who's would, out there for cheap, I would feel like a guy like Ezekiel, it's being brought in to just add some roster depth at a position where maybe you need a little bit more, but not going to take away from a guy who could clearly be the best back in Ramondre Stevens. Well, it's not like they're paying him nothing. Um, they're they're Pierre. paying him. Um, and also, at this point, I would probably take both Pierre and JJ over <laughs> over Zeke. Like, I, I don't know what he adds. Mm-hmm. Again, I agree. I guess. And, hey, there is like the – the part of the game that is blitz pickup and ability to you know understand the passing game and where you where they want you to be and all those different things. That Zeke's you can do. a very good pass blocker. He is. He gets run okay. over sometimes right. when he's trying to play center <laughs> for yeah. some reason. But he like he has an understanding, so that that's fine. Um, but I, there's it's 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 not weird that you're bringing in a talented guy, but I just think he's done. I, I would agree. I mean, look, it, it, that was it was part of the annoying. Uh, from you, you bring up fantasy from a, a. We'll we'll tie that back in as somebody who was all over the Tony Pollard train last year, and it was not only because of fantasy implications, but because I have eyes. It was like, better. bro, like you need to just make this guy the full time dude, not just hey, maybe between the twenties, dude, or whatever it is. No, give him the role. Zeke Elliott doesn't have the explosion anymore. Very north south. He's not going to make guys miss. He's not gonna like. He's going to be able to fall forward for the most part, but there's not much explosiveness there. I would think that if I can see that the numbers see that, that would eventually play out. And what you say? How much did it? Six million dollars? Yeah. Is that incentive later, and that's going to be the base? Has to be. I see. I see. I see a four base. Right. Six total. Four. Okay. So if it's four base six total, it's actually not that much. Not that much, but it's a unnecessary player. Sure, but it's not. It's not to the point where, like, for Dalvin Cook, for example, and then you have the Brees Hall dynamic. 
at the very least, we look at Dalvin Cook's deal. It's a talented guy who is still very productive the last time we saw him on a field, and he's making near 10, right, for that. That was 8.6, I think, again, to double-check for me if that's not incentive-lated. Yeah. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, Dalvin Cook, I think, is clearly being brought in to play some sort of large role, whatever that's going to be. I would. Yeah. I don't think that's the case for Zeke eating up much of Stevenson's Do you, do you remember what the last running back contract we argued about on the show was? No. Naheem Hines. Oh, really? Yeah. I had no idea what they were doing. You so liked it. I, I love Naheem Hines. He's <laughs> yes. awesome. He was traded before the season. Ended. Didn't he have a big kickoff return, though? Sure. There you and go. Was, that's why he was signed? That's right. Okay. Electric. No, I thought – I don't even remember that. Was that me? Because I yeah, felt like I was, was more arguing against the – Because you were saying he's they're signing a slot receiver and not a running back, essentially. Right. Yeah, which yeah. is which is a fair point. I mean, I, I think that you can make the argument for signing running backs for money if they do things besides run the ball. Which, by the way, Zeke Elliott, going back to our original he point here, does not. He can't. <laughs> he can't. It's weird. It's, it's, it's a bit weird, but look, it's Belichick and he'll figure it out. But you don't have any reserves with Cook – and Brees Hall and the recovery here. Very talented player. And yeah. They're they're all in. They're trying to win a Super Bowl right now. Like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers cleared out a bunch of cleared out a bunch of cap space so that they can make this run. Uh, it sounded like the way he talked about it when he made that decision was, we're going to make a deadline acquisition, maybe of a wide receiver from the West Coast that might be unhappy with losing, uh, which I think we know who that is. Right. Uh, but. You know, there's he wanted to bring in other talented guys. He want he wants to win. That's what Aaron Rodgers wants to do now, um, and he showed that by taking less money and saying, "Hey, go get guys that we can win with." And I, I do think Dalvin Cook is a very talented player. He can still help them. This is commendable what the Much Jets more are doing, right? <laughs> in what way? Like spending money, yeah, trying? spending money, spending money to actually like maximize this and actually trying to go and get this done. Like I, yeah. I don't know how I feel overall about the this experiment as a whole, but I do look back, I sit back and look at it, and go. You know what? If you're you know if you're a Steve Cofield out there, who's rooted for the Jets for a really long time, and to see the potential of last year and have it go up in flames, because sorry, Mike White's not the future. What? Yeah, I know it's shocking to hear, but to go and do all this, acquire him, convince him to take less money or change his deal up, excuse me, and then spend as much as you can to just add pieces, it's commendable. Well, it is, but it's all. I mean, I'm not going to give him too much, but once you get Aaron Rodgers, like that's you have to. Yeah. You can't, just, you can't just get him and be like, oh, well done. Like you, you are committing to going all in, especially when you have when you just drafted a quarterback to be your franchise quarterback who you're putting on the shelf for two years. Bucks did it with Gronk, right? Yeah, you yeah. Got Tom Brady. Yeah, in. if you're if you're making that move to bring in that that quarterback at the end of his career, you are doing it to win in one of the next two years. Colts did it with, by adding Matt, Matt Ryan, Ryan. Philip Rivers. Yeah. <laughs> Carson Wentz. That Carson Wentz team, I'm telling you, dude, that'll always go down as one of the biggest missed opportunities ever. I had such a good ticket on them to win the AFC that year. It was awesome. I feel like they should have. They were going to be dangerous. I'm telling you. On the list of Super Bowl teams that would have that would have been dangerous. Might have been a little biased on there. Colts, uh, Colts are definitely up there. I think you were biased. You're a Colts fan. Very true. Very true. By the way, Carson Wentz available. Yeah, shocking, right? Dude, can I tell you? <laughs> I was right now. somebody during summer league. Um, I don't know what the term I'm looking for is, but showed me. You know his food truck. You know he's a food truck. Carson does like a food truck business. The Wentz wagon. No, okay. So this is why I'm bringing this up. It's one of the best names I think I've ever heard. Okay. You ready for this? I don't know if I am. What do you know about Carson Wentz? 
Personality uh, bad traits. Bad knees? No, personality traits. Pretty dull. Okay. What does he love? Jesus. Okay. There you go. <laughs> okay. Killing animals too, but. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Hunting and Jesus. Thy kingdom crumb. <laughs> I just I just found it, by the way. The logo is great. That's what do a, they have? That's a good name, dude. What do they serve? God, I don't know. What is it? That Kingdom Crumb, I would assume it's some sort of baking truck, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's on us. I think I think they actually give away food. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a free food truck. Thy Kingdom Crumb. It's a food truck ministry, though. Well, then hopefully you're not giving out crumbs. But I think they give out food like to listen to them preach. Oh, so you still got to pay. Yeah, with your time, <laughs> your soul. Do you get the food before or after? Like, you probably just want to eat. It distributes free, high-quality food to remind people that they are seen, valued, and loved. Okay. So it's a good name and a good concept. Sure. I'm trying to find exactly what food they give them. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll have to find out. We'll also have to check back in with Derek Carr, who looked jacked and also looked looked right in that Saints jersey. And we also have to get to Major League Baseball, the story that has taken over the internet. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Coming up in about uh, 10 minutes from now, Brady Hull is going to be with us, host of the whole show, as we check in with the Colorado State Rams. An interesting uh, football program, which uh, many in the sports betting community have deemed a dark horse Mm. in the Mountain West. Or dark ram, I suppose. I think you're part of that community. Uh, I am, but I'm not one that has echoed those sentiments. Okay. Although I do think they can be actually pretty good this year. We'll check in with Brady and see if that's going to be the case. I mentioned Major League Baseball and what's going on here. So a um, a pretty wild story has developed out in Major League Baseball where the Rays have placed Wander Franco on the restricted list because Major League Baseball is looking into some allegations made on social media when it comes to the superstar player. Superstar? I feel like that's yeah. probably you. He's yeah. a really good player. In terms of his relationship with, uh, potentially, or alleged relationship with a minor back home. Yeah. Now, the rumor is, and the allegations are, uh, allegedly, that apparently there was supposed to be some sort of hush money sent to hide this, and that it wasn't, and thus you go public. I don't. The details are kind of icky about everything here. Icky and also murky. Very true. Two two words. It, well, and that's I, I will say this. It is pretty it's interesting to watch Major League Baseball react like this when it can, when I when all I can see is mainly just social media like right, fire. Yeah. And that's about it. No true allegations, anything like that. But at least it's gotten to the point and it's been loud enough that Major League Baseball has decided to step in and do something in terms of investigation. Or or the Rays just did it. Right. It's, like they said, Hey, we'll send him out, we'll wait and see because he is on the exempt list, but he also is getting paid, which doesn't usually happen on the exempt list, so they might not have anything yet in terms of what it is. It's important to note, obviously, if it's true, it's horrific and disgusting, and whatever needs to be done legally has to be done, and right. him in terms of playing, we'll find out. But it also is important to note that while you know there's memes everywhere and everybody's laughing it up and joking about it and um, doing you know all, what everyone does with stories like this on social media – as far as I know, and I think as far as you know, it was one post in Spanish alleging this. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even 
it shows him with pictures with the girl. But there's no evidence or we don't know who the person is to say she actually is 14. Yep. Could it be? I mean, he's 22. Could she be 19 and just looks young? I don't know. Who knows what the actual facts or truth or any of those things are? Because we don't. It's not like we have. Not that we deserve a name of the victim or anything like that. But it's not like, sure. hey, here's the girl. She's 14. She's in high school. She's dating him. None of those things. It's literally just a post of him and a girl, and it says she's 14 and his girlfriend. That's all we know. So, so I think on both sides there is, you know. While you know when we get the facts and the details of the case, and you know we can judge then. Right now, I I I think it's real tough to say, hey, this is definitely true. Well, and so and I want to note two things here. First off, um, Franco did go on Instagram Live and deny everything on his own Instagram account. Uh, It was actually filmed in the Rays clubhouse. Jose Siri, one of his teammates, was actually heard yelling in the background in Spanish that people were after his money. So he does have at least a teammate that is backing him here. And it was a good point that I was reading it, uh, an athletic article about, which is you know when you're talking about Major League Baseball and investigating this, we're talking about social media stuff that originated from the Dominican Republic. How exactly are you going to find out exactly what you're looking for? Right. It seems, I wouldn't say impossible, but it seems like a very hard task for Major League Baseball to get to the bottom to, or the bottom of. Oh, yeah. yes. And I, that might be why – this has happened, right? I mean, why they have said, okay, look, we don't really know anything, but let's figure it out because it is going to be difficult to to fi- to figure. Um, there's, you know, obviously logistical issues of investigating something that's not in America, um, finding exactly who posted it, who made the allegation, who the girl is, all of those things. And I don't think they want to have him just continue to play while they take this time to process. And they, at the same time, they don't. You know, they don't want to necessarily punish him if they don't have to. But, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to sift through. There's a lot to figure out. But it's also, like, be careful about thinking you know exactly what's going on. We have no idea. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Wrapping up our Reno Hour. Jonathan Von Tobel, Adam Hill, Demon Cotton, all here. It's been a good show so far. I at least I assume. Yeah, I mean, anytime we just start getting goofy, it's a good show. I oh, like. we got kind of serious there for a little bit. Oh, that's true. We're gonna get more serious. We're gonna get hardcore football uh, and more. Brady Hull is with us, host of the whole show, one hundred three one and thirteen ten KFKA out there in Fort Collins. Uh, Brady, we appreciate the time. Thank you very much. So, uh, let's start with, you know what? Let's start with actual football. You know, we talked a lot about conference realignment. How's, it, how's the energy about there uh, and when it comes to the Colorado State Rams? Because uh, I was telling Adam here, my cohort, I do a lot of main work in the sports betting world. Uh, Colorado State has been slugged as a dark horse this year in the Mountain West. Is, is that energy the same with the fan base? I, hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the time. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, obviously a lot of madness surrounding conference realignment as it is these days. But, uh Rams fans are pumped. You know, Jay Norvell coming into his second season with the Rams. And I think a lot of Rams fans are hopeful that he can do what he did with Nevada from year one to year two and had a pretty big improvement there. So yeah, I think Rams fans are pumped. They're, they're, it's a lot of nervous energy because there's all this big talk about conference realignment and you just want to put your best foot forward. So I think folks are, you know, ready to go, uh, optimistic around, uh, Fort Collins and Greeley. 
Well, let, I mean, let's start there. You referenced the, the realignment. What is the thought process? I mean, is there much concern? Is there much fretting over what's going to happen? Or is it just, hey, whatever happens with the Mountain West, Colorado State's part of it, and we'll figure that out? Uh, I guess how much thought is going on about conference realignment in that area? I, you know, I think it changes every day. <laughs> like, you know, obviously today is like, whoa, wait, the Pac-4 might try to make, make something of this, or whatever they are, the Pac-4, Pac-5, Pac-6, they might try to make something of this, and do we want to be in that conference? Um, what does it look like with the Big 12, all those things? I think it just depends on the day. Uh, it, toward the end of the week last week, it was kind of like, hunker down, let's make the Mountain West the best we possibly can, and who knows, maybe that conference makes a run at something. But, um, you know, I, I, honestly, I think it just depends on who you ask and what time you ask it. I think if we turn to football, um, I, I think it's often the most important thing, but we don't usually lead with it when we do a preview of a team. But it's hard not to notice last year that offensive line was atrocious. Every time I watched, I said, you've got to block somebody. Right. At some point, you've hmm. got to block somebody. Have they done enough to fix that to even worry about anything else on the team? They brought in a lot of guys. They brought in a lot of, a lot, you know, obviously we, we, we cover the Rockies, the Colorado Rockies here too. And, uh, you know, right now they're just like, let's, let's just draft and sign as many pitchers as we possibly can. Something's going to stick. So I think with the Rams, it's, hey, we, we, we like Jacob Gardner, who's coming back at center. Let's just add as many offensive linemen as we possibly can and see, because, they, you know, at the end of the day last year, they were running out of guys too. That was a big deal. So, that's the number one concern amongst Rams fans is we've got to fix that offensive line. We think that, you know, if, if, if Clay Millen has time, they should be able to get that four air raid to look something like they've been, uh, you know, promoting the last year and a half. So, yeah, the offensive line is the big deal. Brought in a lot of, a lot of guys, a lot of names, and obviously we won't know until, until game one. But uh, I think that, it, again, folks are – slightly optimistic that that offensive line is fixed and then everything else will kind of work itself out. You brought up the Rockies, so maybe selfish real quick. Uh, <laughs> Profar is not hurt, right? He's fine? He's going to be available? I think so. Okay. I, you know, I, I mean, I, you, you never know. What, what, day in, day out, are they going to just be done with the guy or what are they going to do going forward? But yeah, the, the Rockies are in an interesting spot right now. A lot of strikeouts over the weekend. Yeah, it's just it's just a disaster. It's not good. So oh, it's not no, good. it's rough. All it's right, rough. so let, let's let's focus on Millen really quickly. Actually, you got the uh, uh, Steve and I, the the regional host here on Cofield and Company. We got to talk to his dad the other day. It was more about you know uh, the Huskies and conference realignment than than Clay himself. Uh, maybe you ask this question. Maybe you get a sense of it. How does a kid like Clay Millen not lose confidence after just getting thrown around the way he did last year with that offensive line and come into this year with some confidence? Because you look at some of the numbers and the statistics and metrics, as the year went along, he actually did improve, and those last four games progressively got better from him uh, as you look at it in different metrics. How, how did this kid keep his cool? I think he had to his, – his completion percentage was high because he had to get rid of the ball so fast. <laughs> He's like, I, you know, I'm looking for these quick out routes, the safety routes. But I've had a chance to really get to know Clay, and I'll say kind of the reverse of that. I think last year showed him a thing or two. Um, yeah, I do a weekly show with him. We're going to do it again this year, and you know his confidence level. I think he's like, man, I can take a hit. I can keep going. I can move a little bit when I need to. Um, he is a very selfless guy. Getting to know that more and more about the guy. So I, I don't know. I, I think that it might be the reverse. You know, with everything that he went through with a rough offensive line, he was the last guy to tell you that it was on the offensive line. 
And all of us knew we were looking at those games saying, man, that line's rough. And Clay would be the first guy to put it on himself and say, no, I got to do better. I got to get the ball out differently. I got to do something. And so I think he actually, he grew from that. And I mean, I'll be curious to see if that actually holds true, but he took a pounding last year. I mean, there were, there were games where, I mean, he ran into his own offensive or his offensive line ran into him, knocked him out of game. So I think that the toughness factor is there. So maybe his confidence level is, hey, you know, worst comes to worst. I know I can take a hit. I know if I have to, I can take off and run. I can do the little jump pass if I need to. Um, and now I think hopefully the, the hope is with his offensive line kind of being solidified, he, it, it might not be as hard a work for him. So uh, that, that's the hope and prayer anyway with Clay. And I'm glad you guys talked to his dad, Hugh. I love Hugh. I think we broke a record for the most Millens on a show one week. We had both those guys on in one week. So we're trying to keep that going in the new year. How, how good is Tony Horton, and does he have any help on the outside? Yeah, I mean, that guy is, you know, we, we heard so many rumors, too, about other schools coming after him, trying to reach out to him, whatever that looks like. But Horton, Torrey Horton is just, he's absolutely a stud. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of a few years ago when CSU was kind of building this reputation of wide receiver U, and he might be the guy to kind of bring that back. Justice Ross Simmons should have a really good year. I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm curious, though, on, as far as the help factor goes, how do they utilize the tight end game? Uh, Dallin Holker coming in, that guy is a specimen. And uh, I'm really curious to see if he's going to alleviate some of that pressure on Horton, maybe be another option, maybe that second secondary option for Clay. So I'm pumped to see what he can do on the tight end side of things. Let's go to the other side really quickly. When you look at this Rams team, about eight guys, starters from last year coming back here. What is the expectation? Because, you know, reading through some of the previews for Colorado State and looking at the roster, I would think the secondary is going to be up there with some of the better ones in the Mountain West. But what's this defense look like as a whole? Yeah, I think I, hopefully we're going to see more of the same. Um, Freddie Banks, you know, we do a lot of UNC Bears coverage too. So we've watched a lot of Big Sky Conference football over the years. And Freddie Banks was just a big name there. And, he is a, he's a diamond in the rough. That guy, I don't know if he'll be around CSU much longer, but what he was able to do last year, what was fascinating for me, last year going in, we were all talking about four air raid, they're going to air it out, they're going to be so many points, yards. It was actually the defense that was the big story for this team, and you're right, the secondary, um, Jack Howell, Henry Blackburn, Aiden Hector, those guys are just top-notch corners. I, I think they could potentially have the, the best secondary in the Mountain West Conference, and they're bringing so many guys back. Chiggy, uh, he, he's a heck of a talent, too. And then the pass rush. Um, uh, Kamara, he, he's going to be a heck of a player, too, again. So I, I look at the secondary as being big-time guys. They're going to be able to make some moves this year. What's it been like covering Jay Norvell, and especially in, a, I would assume, a little bit more of a calm off season coming over with a, a little bit of drama last year, the way that he uh, left Nevada, took some of the guys from the roster. What's it been like covering Norvell and uh, any difference coming into this year in terms of the way that the uh, coverage has been? I think it's kind of more of a slow and steady approach. Uh, last year was, you know, Norvell's coming over, bringing all these guys, and it's going to be this four air raid thing take hold right off the bat. Um, I think more fans are kind of like, you know, we expect to see this offense take hold, but it's more of a slow and steady approach. Jay Norvell's just, to me anyway, seems like a class act from what we've seen so far. But, uh, yeah, I, I, the drama factor, the drama factor is south of us in the Boulder area. <laughs> so it's kind of a slow go as far as, 
you know, the approach and everything. I think it's just kind of slow and steady, and uh, I think Rams fans are okay with that right now. Well, what's 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 going on in the South? Oh, you know, in Boulder, that uh, I don't know, but primetime standards. He doesn't like us to call him Dion. It's it's a primetime thing. Yeah, it's that's kind of a big deal in the South. I think that's getting a lot of the attention, and that kind of I think it works out for CSU. They're kind of working under the radar a little bit. How badly will it go at Colorado if they're not good? Oh gosh, that's the that's the million dollar question right there. I mean, I don't that schedule for for CU right off the bat TCU. Um, Nebraska and then CSU, yep. which you know, CSU might be able to win that game this year. And if CSU starts out, I mean, I don't think anybody's expecting the Buffs to beat TCU, right? I mean, we can't really, we can't really go there with our brains. And Nebraska, I think, is kind of a flip of the coin with Rule coming over. What's what's that going to look like year one? And then CSU more established there, so the pressure's on the Buffs. But I think logical Buffs fans are kind of like, you know, four or five wins would be amazing compared to one win last year. But uh, there's there's a lot of uh, primetime slash buffs fans that are like, anything less than undefeated and we win everything and, you know, it'll be bad. So I, it just that's another one. It depends on which buffs fan you ask about this upcoming season. Pretty pretty odd to say this uh, because Colorado State has had a ton of success as a football program. They're well-funded. they got great facilities. It's been, I believe, since 2017 since they had a winning record. Does that change? I I do think this team gets into. I think they get into that bowl conversation. I'm last year I was through the moon. I've learned the error of my ways. <laughs> I, I I think kind of my expect expectations are kind of floating around that five to six win. But I'm telling you guys, if if this offensive line can protect and Clay can be. He's got an arm. If he can get that thing going and they have the weapon, then maybe better. But I, I'm setting it right around, okay, six wins is, is going to be right around that parameter. So I think they can get to that point where things are starting to move in the right direction. Brady, we appreciate some time today. Thank you very much. You can find Brady over there, 1031-1310-KFKA out in Fort Collins. Hull Show, H-U-L-L, up on Z. Thank you, Brady. Appreciate it. Guys, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, I have a. There's a lot of. I've been to the sports betting community. Sure. Uh, there are a couple people who have taken some longer shots. I think the number's down to under twenty to one, but uh, longer shots on this team to win the conference. You have not. No. Well, because I'm. I the numbers that I did not realize that they were this long. The numbers I'm hearing thrown out there are like forty to one that they used to be, and now they're like sixteen to win uh, the Mountain West. Yeah, I, it's not. Yeah, it's not the most tempting. At that uh, point, number, right? For sure. And plus, they didn't even get a first-place vote in the conference poll, right? Unlike. <laughs> UNLV did. Unlike. I think there's real potential there. And actually, the thing that's fascinating about Millen, if you look at some of the PFF numbers for him, he was under pressure on 45.8% of his dropbacks last year. That's insanity. Almost half the time, you're getting pressured every time you drop back. PFF passing grade under pressure, 57.6. Everything else... 70.6 or higher, including when he was kept clean, a PFF passing grade of 83.4. He's pretty. Yeah. He, he yeah. seems like he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, and that, I mean, like you said, that that number shows, and that line was, you know, awful last year. So you can't really judge a whole lot. Sure. I mean, it, it also reminds me of, uh, you know, people were really flipping out about Trey Lance yesterday, and he wasn't great, but I believe he was pressured on over 60 percent of his dropbacks. <laughs> like that's that's tough. Yes. That makes it tough because even when you're not pressured, you're like somebody's coming. You just start you start hearing it. So it, it does make it difficult. Of course it does.
And then you saw, and what didn't help is at least the first drive, Sam Darnold looked at, looked pretty clean, was finding guys quickly, kind of fell apart after that. But we'll have more on that game on the other side. Damon wants to know, did the win for the Raiders move the needle? Find out.